On this episode, Andy and Travis discuss the comedy starring Damon Wayans and Bam Bam Bigelow, Major Payne. Welcome to The Road Home on Film. All right, folks. Well, welcome back to The Road Home on Film. Today, we have a triumphant return. And my God, it's been a long time. Travis from the Wrestle Special is coming back. How you doing, man? I'm wonderful. It, it has been a long time. It's like <laughs> two years. Is, is that right? Almost three years. So... <laughs> The last time you were on the show was for Pro Wrestling Revolver's first show in Dayton, Ohio, which was the Catalina Wrestling Mixer, which was in August of 2017. Okay, yeah, uh, that's insane. I feel like, I mean, pandemic time flies by, but that has flown by too. So I don't, I don't even know what the hell to say about that. That's crazy. Oh, Travis. Are you and yours safe? Are you okay? I mean, I know we were talking a little bit before that you're having some work issues and stuff like that, but that's nobody's business. I just want to make sure that everybody knows you're safe and you, you know, you're doing okay, right? Yeah, definitely. Uh, safe, safe and sound. Everybody's healthy uh, in the Tubasing clan. Um, yeah, so I, I, that's all we can really ask for. Well, tell me a little bit about the Wrestle Special. We're going to get into this fun movie today, but we got to tell folks right up front where they can find the Wrestle Special. And I mean, there's episodes with me on there, which I mean, if you love this, then you're going to love that. But I think the Wrestle Special is a unique show. It's different than anything else you're going to hear on any other podcast, which is really hard to do. How have you done this, Travis? Uh, so it's funny because through my talks with you, I've realized that I've designed a podcast that is, is like, essentially you can come and go as you please. It's like, Hey, please don't listen to every episode if you don't want to, or if it doesn't appeal to you because I, yeah, right. That seems like a great business plan. Uh, the for long and the short of it is it's a pro wrestling podcast, sometimes about pro wrestling and sometimes not. And that's, that's the simplest way to put it. And really when it, it is about pro wrestling, it's deep in the nitty gritty of like the deepest depths of pro wrestling. And then sometimes I'm talking more about U.S. presidents and which ones would be able to beat up Goldberg. So <laughs> it, it really ranges... <laughs> It really ranges from the like, hey, let's talk about uh, the like, like the last time you were on, we talked about uh, a Rockstar Pro show. And, th and that ranges from that to uh, the other time you were on, we talked about Nintendo and how wrestling crosses <laughs> over with Nintendo. And honestly, that was more about Nintendo games and our love for Nintendo games. And you, you shared a story about your favorite Nintendo games. And that was yeah. it was more that than it was wrestling. So it's really it's really for everyone. But the idea is if you are already love wrestling you'll love the show and if you don't it's a good dip your toes into pro wrestling and you you may be able to stay for a while I, i'm all about spreading the gospel of pro wrestling as i say that's what that show's about and and a lot of the episodes are kind of hypothetical situations that would be fun conversations you might have with your friends, but then kind of just cranked up a little bit, you know, kind of like it's it's like, hey, what what would which president would beat up Goldberg? Now wait a second, let's put some rules on that and let's have ourselves a structured conversation about that. That's fun, and that's what the wrestle special is a lot of times. But it's all over the place, and I love that about it. Um, you know, you never know what you're going to get, and right now you're in the middle of proving to the world that you're a pro wrestling fan. Is that right? That's true. Uh, what I'm I'm doing right now, I found a 38-point checklist in an old wrestling magazine from the early 90s. 
and I am going through and marking uh, off different things on the list. So that's that's what I'm, I'm doing. There's a, it's a series right now that I'm you know doing uh, every so often. Coming back to it when I get somebody like you uh, who I can cross something off the list with, or uh, and actually there's some other things on the list like I want to say attend seven shows in seven days, it, which is probably going to be nearly impossible except for probably Mania Week. Uh, those are going to be things that I have to do. But there's plenty of things that I've already done, and some of those episodes are recapping those adventures. Yeah, and the most recent one that I was on, we covered a Rockstar Pro show that we went to before The Road Home from Wrestling was a podcast. So that was a really fun opportunity to go back and see something you know, maybe before I was even like using a critical eye, really, you know what I mean? And, and, uh, man, that was a lot of fun. So I appreciate that, but that's not, uh, that's not why you're here today. Uh, you're here today to talk about a childhood movie, a movie from our youth, um, that you, uh, confessed to me that you absolutely loved as a child. It's major pain starring Damon Wayne's and Bam Bam Bigelow. First of all, Travis, you had no idea Bam Bam Bigelow was in this movie. Is that correct? Correct. No, none whatsoever. Did not even like connect the dots there. <laughs> and it's funny because when he's introduced on screen, his flames on his head are prominently shown. So like anyone nowadays that like if I watched that now and had never seen, it, I'd be like, oh, my God, that's Bam Bam Bigelow. So, you know, the, the rules of the road home on film are basically we can review any movie that has a wrestler in it or somehow wrestling related. So this works. Now, my biggest question to you is, did this movie hold up? I mean, was it as funny now as it was when you were a kid? Uh, yes. Uh, I mean, I, well, okay. There's there's two things you asked. It doesn't hold up, and is, was it as funny as when I was a kid? You know, the, the poo-poo pee-pee humor, I mean, I still, like, it's not, it doesn't, like, uh, translate as much. I, I can't say that it still isn't funny some, but uh, it doesn't translate as much now as a 33-year-old. Uh, but I definitely think parts of it kind of hold up, uh, especially if you're looking at, at it in a crystallized 90s lens and um i i actually enjoyed it this time around much more than i thought i would uh, because it was there was some truly and i i'm gonna say this there were some truly like heartwarming moments uh, yes. which, uh, and i was surprised and it really uh, I, I never thought that i'd be on a podcast discussing with a critical eye major pain but here we go that's that's what i'm doing because i actually wrote some notes down and i can get into them whenever you want about specifically where i think the the movie fits uh, and what the only problems well not the only problems but one of the the problems i had with it as far as direction but i don't know if that's the the right time to put this here well, uh, we're going to go through this pretty with a fine tooth comb here. So whenever you feel like it's appropriate to hit one of your, your notes, you just throw them on out there and we'll get to it and we'll discuss it. Um, would you say this is a kid power movie, like a 90s kid power movie? So actually, that's the pl that's the thing that I wanted to say, because I don't I, I think that's where they they kind of have the problem with deciding on what the movie wants to be, because it feels like that on the surface. And, and I actually this was the note that I was talking about. So I, it's, it's funny that you like just hit it from the top, because I feel like it's caught somewhere between like a kid power movie and a quirky like this is the the main star guy. Right. So you caught between somewhere between like Ace Ventura and Heavyweights. Right. Because you've Very got. Good. Major Payne, who is this trained killer, there's no one left to kill. It's Damon Wayans, <laughs> which is what's more 90 than that. And he's, 
he is funny. It's he getting in the kids' faces at the drill instructor, all this stuff. But you have this this quirky character uh, that's him, and the movie is about him. But also, it's pulling in the other direction about this whole kid power thing because you know he arrives, they want to get rid of him, and he he's terrible, and they they hate him, and they try to get all these these different pranks and things to to remove him from his post, and it, it just doesn't seem like. In my opinion, it can't be a kid power movie because I don't care enough individually about the majority of the kids at the end of it. And I wrote down like three or four kids in the in the troupe that really there's stuck out to me. Them. Yeah, there's nine exactly. of them. So and, too many. and that's kind of the – yeah, there, there's way too many. And that's kind of where I think they lose they lose me in the kid power part because it really – it's stuck somewhere in between. I think that if you really wanted to drive home – the kid power, it would have had to have been less of a, an imposing figure like Major Payne and, and more of like the – what was it? Tony Perkis or, or whoever from uh, Heavyweights. You still get that quirky character, but he's not the central focus of the film. So The Mighty Ducks came out in 1992. I would say that that is, um, you know, one of the definitive kid power movies, you know, of the 90s. And, you know, something like, I don't know what year it came out, but I'm pretty sure it was in the early 80s, a movie like um, Animal House or One Crazy Summer that came out in the 80s. Major Pain came out in 1990, and it stuck right in between those two kind of movies where you have the like, you know, we got to, we got to, you know, oh, they're going to destroy the rec center. But, we, but if we win this thing, we'll get the, the rec center back. There's that plot line and there's the kid power plot line. And like you said, they, you know, they kind of lean more towards the other one and not the kid power, but it's, um, I love this movie. I thought it was awesome. Now, obviously there's a lot of humor that we're not going to discuss because it doesn't age well. You know, there's some, some some humor that we may mention and talk about, but we're not going to get into why it's bad or even repeat some of the words that are said. So, um, but would you show this to your kids? Uh, yeah, I think, uh, in, in a hypothetical world where I was going to have kids, yeah, I wouldn't have a problem with it as long as, you know, the things that you, you spoke about, I feel like if I showed this to hypothetical children, they, I, they would already understand that some of the jokes that were made that you just spoke of, like that was my other issue. Cause it, a lot of stuff doesn't age well, but a lot of stuff in wrestling doesn't age well from this era anyway. Yes. So, and it's very much, that's why I said, if you look at it in that crystallized nineties realm, um, that's, and so I would, I wouldn't have a problem with it because it is very, it's uh, turned up to 1000 and it, you have those heartwarming moments. And at, by the end of the movie, the, the moral of the story is still pretty clear. So I wouldn't have a problem showing that. Would it surprise you to find out, or do you know what this movie's rated? Because this movie's rated right in the middle, just like it's stuck right in the middle in time and in its ideas. Do you know what this movie's rated? PG-13. I was surprised yes. beca because uh, my, I, I'm surprised that I was able to rent it because I definitely wasn't 13 when I saw this. I, for, there for sure I was not 13. And my parents were pretty protective. I didn't get to see Beavis and Butthead do America, for God's sakes. I went to the, VA, the, the, the video store uh, and I wasn't able to get that. 
So I, I was surprised that somehow I ended up with major pain because it's it, it has a lot of like there are some themes that I think my mom would have been like, oh, no, I can't show Travis this. Well, everything about the movie is PG, but it's PG-13 just because of the few of the jokes, I think, are just a little little too far. And, and the violence type stuff, I think, kind of pushes it over the edge. But uh, OK, well, um, I tasked you with a uh, with a task, uh, of course, uh, here. And that was to kind of collect a little information about the people who made this movie, like the actors and, and stuff like that. Um, can we run down some of these? Uh, I guess we need to talk about Major Payne. We need to talk about his love interest. We need to talk about maybe Alex. And then we need to talk about motherfucking Bam Bam Bigelow. Can you break we it down, do. some of these uh, folks for me, and tell me how you thought they did? Yeah. Uh, first, the biggest thing to me was the director. A- aside from all the actors, the director is Nick Castle. Now, that might sound familiar to you because that's fucking Michael Myers. <laughs> I was blown my mind was blown like i had no clue that he directed movies but he not only directed the last starfighter but he also directed dennis the menace the 90s classic uh at least in my opinion maybe no one else's yeah i love that movie i love that movie Fair enough. i love the matthau. tv show so i, I has, love the show it had walter matthau in it it was, was good uh but he also did the the uh, screenplay for escape from new york and hook now that is a 90s classic to me uh, but I also was it was interesting that Nick Castle also chose to remake this. It's basically a loose remake of The Private War of Major Benson, which was star- starred Charlton Heston. So it was basically a 90s remake of a Ch- Charlton Heston oh. film. So I had I had no clue that, of that either until I started really digging into it. But it, it's well, all he, kind of, I guess, Nick Castle's vision. His name is Benson, too. So his name is Major Benson Payne. So, OK, that's awesome. I did not know that. Interesting. I have I have that written down and I didn't even make that connection. You, you, I wish you would have just seen my face go, oh, because <laughs> I was about to get into Damon Wayans as Major Benson Payne. <laughs> I was about to say Benson and I didn't connect. So, huh, that, luckily I have you to keep me on the straight and narrow. Uh, but Damon Wayans, uh, Wayans has been, I mean, he's still fairly relevant uh, in modern TV. I think up to last year, his show Lethal Weapon was still, TV show was still on. It was the the t- made for TV show of, of that, which probably never needed to happen, but he was in it anyway. But the uh, other movies that you may have seen because of that, we were from the same era, uh, at least a lot of crossover, Celtic Pride, Bulletproof, Blank Man. Uh, and then obviously In Living Color was the big one that kind of really started him. Uh, and why most people know him. I had no clue he was nominated for four primetime Emmys because of Living Color. Did you know that? For playing a homeless guy who carries a piece of shit around in a jar full of pee. Awesome. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. He's that. Uh, I think I think one of them, was, mostly it was like writing, and then one was his acting as, I think it was Homie Claws or Santa. Oh, no, Homie, Homie Don't Play That. That's where that comes from, right? You know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so okay, it was interesting gotcha. to see that. Was he funny in this movie? Uh, I thought so. I thought he was uh, like, there are some things that uh, not only the bad jokes as, as uh, like not good now, not didn't age well, but the, <laughs> there are some kind of just like bad jokes where I'm just like, this isn't, this isn't funny. I would say overall, I would, I would give him, yes, he's funny in this movie because of his execution of some of the lines. Like, I mean, I wrote a lot of quotes down, but what is you looking at? What what are you what is you looking at ass eyes you plotting on me uh, it just was one of was my favorite I'm gonna call people ass eyes from now on because 
like that, especially those, it, it almost felt like when he was allowed to be just kind of riff were, were the funniest things. Yes. And I think a lot of that stuff was just him improvising in those moments. And that was what I thought was funny. You can see in some of the scenes where he's dressing down the line of kids, you can see some of them trying their hardest not to laugh because you can tell this is the third take where they've tried to get him to say this line and not have everybody crack up. And um, you can tell the people who made this movie had a blast making it. It is obvious, especially uh, the the uh, Mrs. Parsons, who is the love interest. Tell me about is it Robin Parsons or something? What's what's her uh, name? It is uh, hold on, yeah, Karen Parsons. Karen, Karen yeah. Parsons. Tell me about her. I she thought plays, she did so great. She she did, but actually, it made me respect her more as an actress because of how different she was uh, in than her character that we probably all know her for, and that's as Hillary from Fresh Prince of Bel Air. And Hillary is such a good character in that show and growing up as an adult, I appreciate her so much more as I did then just cause she was kind of like the airhead sister in, in that show, but her, how different she was. And you can hear her speak probably in her normal voice. It makes me realize that she really dumbed herself down for that role and made va- really up the Valley girl because she, I mean, it was tremendous compared to the, what she was uh, in this movie. I the so the chemistry between the characters is very good in this movie and especially her in major pain you can tell there's a scene during a montage where she blows his whistle and it's just like it's it means a lot it's a great scene because it's actually a blowjob metaphor and earlier in the movie he had said don't touch the whistle so it's an acceptance thing as well and it's a great joke and it's just a little like 30 second, maybe not even that long, maybe 10 second scene where they just show you so much in 10 seconds. And that's what this movie does well that modern comedies cannot accomplish. Modern comedies is let's set up some cameras. All right. And we'll face each other. We'll get some coverage and stuff like that. And you just say something funny and then say something else you think is funny. And then we'll just all cut it all together. And you can tell in this movie, there's only a couple times where he's really riffing. You know, you can tell most of these lines were actually written and they did them the way they were supposed to. And they're in the same room. And a lot of comedies nowadays, especially if there's a star, for example, in the comedy, they just film a couple reactions from them and then just insert it into whatever scene they want. And it's fucking awful. That's a really good point, and I, I think I, it's not something that I was paying as much attention to because honestly, I was engrossed in the movie. Like I, when you said that that scene is a great scene, you're, the, 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 where they're running around the house, and it's right when you kind of start to see that shift. It's the the montage of the shift in everybody's relationship together, uh, and it. I never really thought about comparing that to modern film, your and modern comedy specifically. You're absolutely right. They, they, it's it's just all become kind of lazy. This is a well-made movie. And and what's funny about that is that this like back in like 1990, this wasn't necessarily considered a well-made movie, you know, and there were much better movies being made at that time with all the work and everything that goes into a movie. And nowadays um, they we just reviewed a movie that shot in eight days recently. All right. This movie probably took six months, maybe longer. Those kids may yeah. have lived on that, you know, in that like uh, field or whatever. I mean, who knows? But you can tell, you know, nowadays everything's so faked in movies. Everything's fake. And, you know, and, and because it's so faked, 
it's just blatantly obvious, and I don't mean to go on a rant about modern movies, but I hate modern comedies. And if you go back and watch something like this or Caddyshack or, very, you know, uh, uh, Ghostbusters, you can see they wrote the fucking lines. They wrote these lines, all right, because they took time to make them funny. They didn't just hire funny people and say, hey, go be funny. So I'm sorry. I don't mean to be angry. No, that's that's what the show's for. This is what this is for, is to be angry about modern cinema, right? What else are we going to do? <laughs> I, you know, there's been a couple of these episodes where I've gotten angry. Um, and uh, if you've not listened to it and you want to hear me just lose my shit, go back and listen to our Doolittle review where I almost like, I, I just almost like stopped recording. I was so angry at this fucking movie. So it was refreshing to review a comedy, which most, most film critics, shows, whatever you want to call them, don't even do comedies because it's subjective. But I don't care about that. That's fine. This is an objectively good movie, in my opinion, because the way it's made, it has a tight structure. There's uh, Rarely do they bring something up and it never comes back. Almost everything that's set up gets knocked down. You know, and uh, and that's that's a sign of a good movie. So, OK, well, who else is in this? We got we got anybody else we need to cover? Um, Bam Bam Bigelow. I, Bam Bam Bigelow. You also mentioned uh, the uh, as I call him, the lead boy, uh, Alex Stone, uh, which also Michael Ironside was in this. Oh, yeah. You, you, He's you awesome that. in it, too. He's awesome. Yeah. And it's, so it was he was one of the top build actors, even though he's only in it for one scene. Uh, but let's. <laughs> I'll, I'll hit on him. I'll hit on Alex Stone, uh, Michael Ironside, and then we'll hit on Bam Bam. And then okay. uh, if, you, if you're good with that. So uh, Alex Stone is played by Steve Martin, Teeny, Mart, Martini. <laughs> I, I just thought it was really weird. I was scrolling down and I saw Steve Martin and I'm like, who, what the fuck? And then I saw it was Steve Martini. So, uh, which was, uh, that's who Alex Stone is. He was the, the leader, um, the oldest boy, the one major Payne's hardest on, and then kind of who ends, ends up uniting the, the squad. He have really seen, didn't do anything. Have you seen bad news bears? Uh, the old one or the Walter Matthau one. So the original bad news bears has this character named Kelly. And he's the older kid who's kind of a shithead and and needs to get, you know, kind of needs it, needs a smack across the face to kind of learn who he is and all that stuff and learn how to be a leader. This is the same character. <laughs> it's basically the same exact character, which is awesome. Yeah. But he wasn't he really didn't do anything the rest of his not to be mean like he had. He really was in a couple of episodes. There's a lot of people on this list that were on a couple of episodes of shows or throughout the 90s. Touched by an angel, law and order. Um, murder she wrote he was all on episodes of that but he also the weirdest movie he was in was smiling fish and the goat on fire which okay cool whatever that is maybe a porno i, I don't know I, it's anybody look that up it's a weird porno yeah it's a, <laughs> i mean maybe that's a move i don't know uh but his his dad uh was played by michael ironside and a stepdad whoa hold on i misspoke his stepdad because they make a big deal out of that dynamic uh but this was one of the heartwarming moments uh, of the the movie, uh, but I'll let you. We'll we'll get to that in a little bit. But um, he obviously has been in Starship Troopers, Total Recall, Scanners, Top Gun. He was probably and still probably is the the, the best actor in the movie, uh, bar none. Uh, so, but it was interesting because they. I wonder how much they were like. Okay, we're going to dedicate just this much money for Michael Ironside, uh, and then. I sold them some tickets, so good for them, you know? Probably. It's one of those things where it's like, featuring Michael Ironside, and he's in there for this once. Everyone's like, where is he? Where is where is he? Uh, and then, 
finally, the only person that I included <clears throat> on this list that was that had a name such as Soldier One, Sniper, Injured Guy Three was Bam Bam Bigelow as Huge, huge Biker. Biker. That's right. It's <laughs> tremendous. How do you feel about Bam Bam Bigelow as a professional wrestler, Travis? Uh, love Bam Bam Bigelow as a professional wrestler. In fact, Living Dead, he's one of the, I think that it was a great choice to have him at play Huge Biker because I, I would still say, again, out of all the wrestlers living or dead, he would be like probably in my top 10 list of people I wouldn't want to fuck with in real life. Uh, just uh, for sure. And I, I think that he, uh, his, his career is, is underrated, but for a, for a big guy, uh, being so agile, being able to do some of the stuff that he was able to do, he's, he's amazing. And I think he's a, he's a standout wrestler, at least from his era. I, he was tremendous by all accounts. I mean, but one of the things that people don't talk about, I don't think with Bam Bam Bigelow is his role as a veteran, you know, where um, a lot of times his role was to come in and do the job to somebody in WWF and ECW in Japan, wherever it was, and make them look amazing. He was like a high-end um, enhancement talent that could be a main event guy if you wanted him to be. And uh, I think that he is completely underrated for that ability, which, you know, is one of those abilities that people don't even talk about in wrestling is the ability to make your opponent look better, which is the fucking reason that... So people are good wrestlers, and you know, so it's kind of weird that we don't talk about that much, but I think that he was one of the best, and he was perfect for this movie. If you put him in any movie where he, you walk into a biker bar, and you st walk up to the bar, and you look over, and there's a guy that looks like Bam Bam Bigelow, whose nickname is Tiny or something like that, he would fit in any movie in that role and knock it out of the park. He was awesome in this, don't you think? I uh, absolutely agree, yeah. That's awesome. Okay. Well, is there anybody else we want to talk about or let's start getting into this plot here? Really? Everything else was just like the other people I wrote down were just random uh, cadets. The only one that I, I recognized immediately and then we can get to the plot is uh, Chris Owen, who played Cadet Wolger. I don't, I don't know. Whatever. It doesn't matter because when you see the kid, he's like, ah, it's that guy. <laughs> and he looked the same as a five-year-old as he does as like a 30-year-old man. And he's uh, the Shermanator from American Pie. Um, nice. For some reason, I immediately re recognized him from Ready to Rumble, but he was in a lot of those coming-of-age mm -hmm. movies, uh, Can't Hardly Wait, uh, a lot of those kind of movies from the late 90s to the early 2000s. When you see him, if you look up his name, Chris Owen, you're going to be like, oh, okay, that guy. But that was really the only other person because immediately I feel like I recognized him before I recognized anybody else. It was like, ah, ah, and he's just, a, he's like a no person. <laughs> I feel like that he was in one of the Adams Family movies as like a cousin too, which by the way, those movies are tremendous. So um, I, I don't know. He's a weird looking kid. So again, much like Bam Bam Bigelow or like Clint Howard, he gets those roles. So you remind, he, you know, you'll see him be like, oh, that's that weird kid from that movie and that weird kid from that movie. So <laughs> yeah, that's pretty absolutely. great. Okay, Travis. Well, here we go. So our movie opens and we have Bad to the Bone playing, of course, and we see footage of a South American drug sweep where Major Payne murders a bunch of people and shows an injured soldier a trick. We set something up right away. Do you remember this little trick that he shows the injured soldier? Uh, yes, I do. Uh, 
<laughs> where it's is, hey, I can take your mind off this. And uh, instead of, you know, helping or giving him drugs, he breaks the guy's finger. It's <laughs> pretty awesome. So, it is. <laughs> and and I don't know. The tone for the movie. I don't know if that was his soldier or, you know, one of his soldiers or somebody else. Who knows? But he broke the guy's finger just to be a dick. And it's awesome. And uh, and he and the great thing about the character of Major Payne is he is tricky. Like everything he says he means, but he's got all these ulterior motives that you don't see that will come out later in the movie. But like he he is not like a heretic. He 100 100 percent believes what he's saying, you know, and so his his um he says he's at one point he says he's trained over 20,000 killing machines or something and and they all worked so he knows what he's doing so anyway he captures 50 people like 50 people by himself so, absolutely so we, so we find out that he is a killing machine and uh, our next scene major pain is getting discharged because the world's peaceful now and pain has killed all the men that need killing and, I mean, he's very upset about this, right? Yeah. No one left to kill. No one <laughs> left to kill. Now, did you recognize this next scene is a parody scene? Where he's uh, he's in a, in a room, and he's, like, almost naked, and he's quoting this, like, it's been almost two weeks since I killed a man. Have you? Do you know what that's from? Uh, I do not. I, I, I figured there was, but I'm not a, I'm not a huge war movie guy. So that's kind of like the, the, those classic seminal films that have to do with that. I, I haven't really watched. Well, it's Apocalypse Now. There's a scene in Apocalypse Now where, uh, you know, uh, Martin Sheen comes back from the war. He doesn't know what to do with himself. It's kind of the same thing. Now, this is where we get our first racial slur, which we will not be using this racial slur. However, there is a a male uh, name that begins with C that, um, you know, he refers to uh, uh, Vietnamese people as. And you guys know what this word is. It's just that I find it to be racist, so we're not going to say it. But he uses that word throughout the movie, and that's kind of that and a little bit of making fun of a disabled kid. That's kind of the things that are, I have a problem with. Is there, is there anything else that you have a problem with in the movie, like as far as like jokes that are just like, wow, you can't say that? Um, those were, those were two things. The other thing was, I just don't, I'm one of those people that it's like, Hey, if it feels good and doesn't bother anybody else fucking do it, that's what is great about America is, is you can do whatever you want as long as you're not infringing on someone else's rights, you know, oh. and, what I was just, I was just realizing what you were talking about. Go ahead. Yes. Oh, the, well, and it's <laughs> like they're the whole scene where he, he later on punishes them by making them wear dresses. And yes. I don't that that does not play well with me because I don't give a fuck. And if you want to wear a dress, whether you're a boy or a girl, you could do that. So I that's how I feel. Like I'm gonna do whatever the fuck I want. I'm gonna spend money on a macho man slim gym display. I'm gonna spend too much money on that, and no one can fucking tell me not to because I, I want to do that. And that's the same way here. It's just like that shouldn't be seen as a, as a punishment, you know. Right. That that so that that was the only other thing that I'm like, eh, you can do whatever you want. Eh, so fuck off. Well, we'll get to what he's punishing them for, and it almost works kind of, you know, it, but you're right. It's definitely wrong. So anyway. All right. So we have the Apocalypse Now thing. Um, Apocalypse Now parody scene. In his room, he catches, cooks, and eats a rat. Um, and then uh, the pain he feels is that he must get a job. And that scene's really funny. Um, pain, we see the next scene where he's trying out to be a police officer. And this is how 
um, you know, you try out to be a police officer. They put you in a play. And in the play, you know, someone's playing a victim, someone's playing the perpetrator, and you're playing the police officer. And what does Major Payne do in this little play here? Did you see this? Uh, no. What was the – what was it? So he he is playing a police officer, and uh, he's supposed to fix this problem um, where a woman is being beaten. So he just this picks is, the guy up and paintbrushes him, right? Yeah, this is actually the scene that I remembered most from uh, as a child. It was Ooh. where he's they're they're like doing that thing. He's like, don't slap a woman. <laughs> yeah, it was that was I, I remembered that so so vividly. It's probably the only thing I remembered, honestly, is, is that scene because it, it's so extreme. <laughs> so he beats this guy up and he goes to the pokey. So, the, so this general that had you know, given them information about how he would be fired, uh, pulls some strings and Payne gets a new opportunity to teach at a, a ROTC school, although it's a school that has ROTC. Um, you know, he threatens. Uh, OK, so as soon as he gets to the school, he meets a young cr- recruit named Tiger. And this kid is six years old. Now, this is like a military, like a school where they send the bad kids. You know, when when you're a kid and they threaten parents are like, I'm threatening to send you to military school or in a sitcom. This is where they were going. Right. Is this kind of thing? Yes. that Like a boarding school, military. Well, I don't even know if it's a military school because <laughs> I, I realize this was another gap in my knowledge of, you know, being an adult versus being a child. I just thought it was like a kid army, I guess. I didn't realize, because it's, it's a, it, I know that doesn't make any sense, but I didn't know it was like the ROTC program at a school. So it's definitely not a military school because the headmaster is just kind of like, what are you, what are you here for? I don't even know about that. It's just like a, almost just like a boarding school. So, and, and that's just like one wing of the boarding school is the ROTC. Well, he meets Tiger and Tiger is upset about something. So he says, hey, you want me to teach you a little trick to take your mind off that? And uh, he's threatening to break the kid's finger, which is most of this movie is major pain threatening or actually doing violence to these children. And it's that part. I am not going to leave in the past. That part's funny. I don't care. I will defend. it. Uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> so pain. He also, you know, the little kid is saved from having his finger broken by, um, and I'm confused about what her name is. Is it Wilburn? Is it Wilborn? Is it Walburn? What is her name? According to IMDb, it's Walburn. Okay. All right. Well, Mrs. Wal- Miss Walburn, and that is, um, you know, the lady from uh, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, which, by the way, I had such a crush on her when I was a kid. And there's many scenes in this movie where she is giving him the, like, the pretty eyes, and I'm just, like, falling in love all over again as a kid. Wow. Unbelievable. So um, that's a, that's one thing that you can't use. You, you already said this in different words, but that's one thing you cannot, you know, you, you have to give this movie is that it does cause emotions whether those are laughing or those are you know hey i i'm in love with this beautiful woman or oh i feel for this child it actually elicits emotions and someone's mowing outside my house right now so we're gonna have to deal with that so (laughs) i had i had to go out there and rip that thing off and throw it on the ground and kick it around a little um but uh let's see that's that's probably my favorite joke in this movie all right, so he, uh, Payne is now in charge of the ROTC. He meets his boss, who's a super crazy old guy, and then he meets his recruits for the first time. They boo him, and he just starts shooting in the air, which is a good, like, that's that's kind of how this movie is, right? His solution to everything is violence, right? 
Yeah, uh, without a doubt. He doesn't know how to deal with any emotions. And it's just like, oh, this can needs to be opened. I'm just going to nuclear bomb it, basically. Well, there is a scene where he's eating in the lunchroom and we see him open a can of soda and he's like, hey, and he <laughs> does like, like a karate move to open it with his finger. <laughs> Those fun. are the things that I feel like he was improvising a little bit where it was like there were probably like 17 different takes of that and they just used whichever funny sound effect he put in there. And it's but it's it th- those are the things that that make the movie the, the funniest parts of the movie are those little things. Well, and unlike new movies, it's not just a close up his face with no one else in the scene. It's actually there's other people in the scene with him. Lots of them, actually. So I'll stop bitching about modern movies. But uh, anyway. <laughs> So he is kind of a creep to her a little bit, but we get the idea. He likes her, um, and then he meets his recruit. Like we said, they boom. He starts shooting. He does the drill sergeant, drill sergeant stick, shtick. One of the kids is deaf. One of the kids is a kiss-ass. Uh, Tiger is in his group, the little kid. And this is my favorite, maybe one of my favorite parts of the movie, is that Tiger says, I need to use the restroom. And uh, Payne says, you better hold it. And he says, I can't. He says, I said hold it or I'll break that thing off and kick it around on the ground, which I think is one of the funniest jokes of all time. I laughed so hard at that. <laughs> that's your, that's your ass eyes, huh? As you're going to be saying that you're going to, we, we both have, have pulled things from this movie that we're going to use in our everyday life. Then, it seems. <laughs> I love it so much. It's so funny. So, <laughs> so pain uh, wants them to win the military games. That's the big, like, you know, Oh, we got to get the rec center back. Right. Um, that's that plot line. Uh, some jokes are in very poor taste, of course. And the, the one kid pees his pants and he kind of dresses down all the kids, right? Um, we meet the sarcastic cadet, Alex Stone, who shows up yes. late and he's older than the rest of the kids. And he's kind of the leader already a little bit, right? Yes. What did you think of like, that kid? Go ahead. Did Sorry. you think that kid did pretty good or not? Uh, yeah, I did. Um, I think overall, I think when it was just kind of like, there were some emotions and some scenes that seemed forced with him, but yeah. overall I think he did, did really well, especially when he's responding to a, a genuine scene. It almost just felt like the, the hatred seemed too, too immediate or too forced, especially from when he's introduced, he like rolls down the hill and he's like, Hey, he just seemed, I think he's wearing a tie dye shirt, right? Yeah. He's yeah. Gonna, he seems yeah. like, he seems like he's going to be like the, Oh yeah, yeah. And then immediately he's not that, which was, which was weird. Right. Because what happens is that uh, major pain's like, Oh, you guys, uh, you guys uh, think you're going to get over on me. All right. In the next scene, we see them all and they are all bald dudes. They've all joined the tribe. So that is awesome. I, I got to <laughs> I got to let this movie know it is bald positive, which I appreciate because these kids, the beginning of their journey, to you know to becoming good people is becoming bald and i appreciate that what do you think about that uh i i mean i just now feel unwelcome on the show if if i'm supposed to be bald i need but i'm gonna have to shave my head before i come back on the show if you're not beginning uh like an existential like uh journey in your life then you can't just shave your head because then that's appropriating bald culture so let's Mm. let's be careful i'll walk you through all this travis so um (laughs) but i appreciate it so okay so let's see here so the next scene is the guidance counselor coming to approach um uh major pain about making the kid pee his pants because he ratted him out and uh, she wants him to apologize, but instead he throws he's, he threatens to throw the kid out the window. <laughs> I mean, that's normal. That's normal apology stuff, you know. 
That's how I apologize. He means it, too. He's not not like, hey, you know, if you don't stop doing this, I'm going to throw you out that window, little kid. He's like, no, I'm going to throw you out a window. Yeah, there's genuine – you know that if the counselor wasn't there, he would just toss the kid out the window. Yes, because he likes her. She gives him the feminine wiles and gets him to agree to improve. And this is the beginning of his journey here, you know. Uh, so the recruits are moved uh, into the House of Pain, which is like a – wait, tell me what, what is the House of Pain? Did you catch this? Uh, the, the military barracks? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think well, that it's it – was to me, it was just like it, it was the, the first – I mean, I guess the haircut was the first, you know – you know, pen that drops where it's like, okay, we're, we're in some, some real shit now, but then like their entire lives are changing now because he's treating them as, and maybe that's why I thought they were kid soldiers. Uh, I don't know, but cause they were in barracks. So that at least I'm going to give, I'm going to give myself some, some slack here that I, my assumption that kid soldiers were a thing, uh, <laughs> originally well, was, was rooted in this, that they're in the barracks. So, well, um, man, we got like, when army of dudes just mowing like little three foot square thing of grass out here. So I apologize, but they'll be done soon. Um, so let's see. Okay. So they don't like their accommodations and he responds by burying them up to their necks in mud and spraying them with a hose. So. Yeah. Again, uh, that would have been a threat if he would have said, Hey, I'm going to bury you in the mud and to your necks and spray you with a hose. We just got to see it happen. It just would have been, it's the same as the throwing the kid out the window that his threats have teeth. Well, in the next scene, we see it even more proof of that because they're training and he says, this is a life of death situation, kids. And Alex says, well, it's not. And so he pulls the pin on a grenade and throws it pretty much, you know, near them. <laughs> All of a sudden it is. Um, now, yeah, this yeah. is why would you test him? Why would you test him? <laughs> so this is where the kids are starting to, you know, fight back. And what's awesome, what is a really cool part of this movie is the legitimate purpose of a drill sergeant. You know, if you've seen Band of Brothers, that's probably the best real example of this, you know, in film, where the idea with a drill sergeant is that he's supposed to treat everyone like shit and make him the enemy. So they have to, you know, the recruits, they have to combine their efforts and use teamwork to defeat that enemy. And that's what the drill sergeant's purpose is. So that's what Major Payne is doing. But we just see him, you know, abusing children. You know, when you're watching the movie, you're like, oh, he's just hilariously abusing children, basically. Right. (laughs) Yeah. And that's why it kind of that's one of those details that you're talking about that make it a good movie is that there is a method while there's still a lot of madness. There is a method to his madness. While it doesn't necessarily make it okay that uh, that he's abusing children, it it still is like the, the purpose is to unite them against him so they they can, you know, win this this thing. So I'm going to let you describe this poison scene. So they plot to poison him, right? And they want to, you know, give him this ultra laxative that's going to basically kill him pretty much. So. Yeah. Which, and, again, pee-pee-poo-poo humor, 90s film, they go hand in hand. Uh, uh-huh. This is this is where the, the, the kid power aspect is kind of like really taking over and, and where you get those big kid power scenes where he's having lunch. Uh, and the kids have strategically positioned themselves at different ends of the lunchroom. 
and uh, one kid is kind of the, the lookout, and they they say that they need to Major Payne needs to leave to go do something right before he gets to his pink iced cupcake, and they end up swapping the cupcake out with one that has all of the laxatives on it, <laughs> and they're all watching with glee as Major Payne brings the cupcake to his mouth, eats the whole thing. And you, you see or eats it and he's just just starts to like gurgle and you know, you're like, oh, no, we're going to have, you know, a dumb and dumber scene kind of in the middle of this this lunchroom, this mess hall. And he just kind of stops and goes, oh, no, nope, and then continues to eat the cupcake without having a reaction because the man's a fucking killing machine. He can he can apparently take all these laxatives and be good. Uh, and as the, all the kids are wondering what's going on, what happened, uh, the the kid that actually I, it was Sherman from American Pie uh, walks past to join his brothers, and Major Payne farts on him and makes him faint. <laughs> he makes him fall down. I mean, I it's, <laughs> if there's nothing more like kid power about that scene, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, that is that well, is a kid power scene. Like that would be on a supercut of kid power scenes. But they didn't win, so I mean, that's the only issue with it being kid power. But they did work together, and that's the beginning of them, you know, figuring out how to work together. Um, I, another reason why I love this scene is he's staring at them the whole time he's eating. He's just staring at them because he knows, <laughs> you know, he fucking knows. And like that's the thing is they can't sneak anything by him. He knows every. Everything. So they, he knows he doesn't even care. He's eating it and he's staring them down. And I bet you, I don't, I don't know because I'd have to watch it again. I bet you they made full intention to keep him from blinking during scenes because he never blinks. Like he is literally staring, like hard staring at people always when he's talking, whatever's going on. I bet you they that he like never blinks in the movie. But anyway, that seems like that would be difficult. So he farts and then we get more plotting, right? And they dress. Uh, this is their next. Um, do you actually let's, um, you know, Travis, you're probably a little more PC than me. You probably handle this a little better. Will you describe their next plot? If you wouldn't mind. I don't know how you could put this in, in PC terms, just because the, the idea inherently is terrible is that like, not even the punishment, the idea is inherently terrible, which is they're basically going to frame pain uh, for uh, sexual abuse, uh, child molestation, essentially, like because they decide to dress up one of the cadets that happens to be one that Major Payne calls Piggy Piggy earlier in the movie uh, into a dress and then sneak everyone into his bedroom at night. Uh, the child will then get into bed with Major Payne and they're going to take a picture of said child in a dress with Major Payne to frame him as a child molester. Uh, and just, I, I don't, I, I don't know if there's a better way to put that out. I, I, now I'm curious how you would have put it because I feel dirty <laughs> saying it. It's so, <laughs> so weird. It's I... a weird, it's a weird fucking scene. And, and that's where it's like, and of course, Major Payne during the, all of this to your point a minute ago, where he's just staring at them, Major Payne apparently sleeps with his eyes open. So he's got his <laughs> eyes open the whole time and he's snoring and he's like, <laughs> and he's, but so he has has his eyes open during this whole scene and then uh when uh the child uh, lays down with him uh he, 
he wakes up and puts his arm around him. And I don't remember what he said, but it's some one line of like, Hey, or, you know, something weird. It's, it's all weird. And then they all scream and run out, but not before some of them. One of the, one of the kids snaps a picture actually he does. with the camera, which I thought I was, I forgot. I, I for sure thought that that was going to come back up later in the film, but yeah. it does not. I feel like that the cut that I watched, which was on Amazon or on, uh, excuse me, the stars network on Amazon. Uh, but I, I feel like it's missing a couple scenes. Cause I feel like I remember that he dispelled that somehow, or that ended up like going to the Dean or whatever. I can't remember. And there's also a scene, like another scene that I, I thought was in this movie, but then again, who knows? I was 10 years old when this came out, you know, I watched it in my teens mostly, but it, you know, the, the brain's a crazy thing. So uh, well, it, I'm glad I'm not the only one that remembers it that way because I felt like it came back later because I ended up watching the same cut as you on stars. And you know, here, just, we, we gotta, we gotta do this because I'm going to try to get you a, a star sponsorship that you'll have to kick me some money if you get sure. it. Stars, six month or six week or six day trial because I wasn't going to pay money for major pain. Six right. day trial for stars. Watch Outlander, American Gods, Black Sails, Ash versus Evil Dead, Stars. We didn't fuck up Game of Thrones. Watch us for six days free. Nice. There you go. There you go. Stars give. Give him money. Give him money, uh, please. And thank you. Because we that was you. Ha, it was good looking out for you to say, hey, you can watch this for free. And because I probably would have ended up paying for it to watch it. Well, I would have. I wouldn't let you do that, man. One way or the other, we would have taken care of that. So anyway, all right. So we get out of this whole kid in the dress scene, which is fucking crazy. He punishes them, as we mentioned, by making them run around and chant disgusting things while they're in dresses about squatting and how he makes them pee sitting down and whatever. He demeans them. And then Miss Wilburn, 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 uh, she again tries to intervene by giving Payne a book called The ABCs of the Loving Male Role Model, which is fucking hilarious. So he wants in with her, but he also wants to be successful at what he's doing because he doesn't want to go back to jail, too, which they don't ever bring up again. But that's also one of his motivations. So, you know, he's going to read this book, probably. Um, <laughs> now, this is probably the, this next scene is definitely the one that I remember the most. And this is a quote that I have used many times in my life, probably in inappropriate situations um, where, you know, we, we have the scene where Mrs. Wilburn um she is mad at him, all right, because he is being insensitive to the child, the young kid. And he tells her that what Mr. Payne or Major Payne tells her what he thinks of the situation. Um, do you remember what he said here? Maybe what you need to do is pop your titty out his mouth and let the boy grow up. Now, hang on a second, Travis. I didn't hear you. Did you stutter? Because I didn't hear you. <laughs> Maybe what you need to do is pop your titty out his mouth and let the boy grow up. The fact that she makes him repeat that and then he repeats it again to her is makes the joke twice as funny, literally twice as funny. I love this joke. I think it's so funny because she's so angry. 
Yeah, she she really is. Like she's fuming, and that's one of the things. This is one of the scenes she shined on or yes. shined in because she had that smoldering look and doesn't laugh. Because the whole the, the whole line, the whole movie, really is absurd. There, the character of Major Payne is absurd. So him saying that with a straight face, knowing the character believes the words he's saying, <laughs> it, it, like it must have been tough to to keep a straight face with that. Well, and he's right a little bit though. Because he says, you know, you need to quit babying him. And she goes, I'm just being protective. I'm not babying. She starts to realize that maybe he's right a little bit. And this next part is great because the kid interrupts them to uh, – let's see here. Um, is that right? So, yeah, okay. So the kid yeah. interrupts them, and he walks back in and says, there's a man in my closet, and I can't sleep, and that's why I'm scared. So Major Payne goes, all right, you want to see some sensitivity? He walks up to the closet, fires like eight rounds into it, and says, if he's still in, in it, if he's still in there, he ain't happy. The little kid hugs him, and then he puts the kid in, like, a chokehold, so. Yeah, and that's, like, that would have been a, I wish that was where the transformation started to happen, but I guess it makes sense, because that was probably my favorite scene, because Major Payne is being nurturing in his own way. Like, this is where he yes. starts to, to do that, and the best way that he knows how to solve this kid's <clears throat> problem of thinking there, and first off, the kid's, the, the quote is, like, there's there's a the man in my closet is back and it's just like what the fuck that's scary so no wonder the kid was scared and the best way major pay knows to go up there to make the kid feel better is walk up there and fire eight rounds and and like the guy's dead whatever's in there is dead and like that genuinely makes the kid feel better this is i'm gonna say this and i don't mean that my dad actually shot up the closet but this is similar to what my dad did uh, when I was a child. Uh, when I was afraid of something at night, he would use logic to disarm the fear. So one day I thought there were robbers out on the seven acres that we lived on when, where I grew up. And he said, yeah, I wouldn't go to sleep. I couldn't go to sleep. And he got me out of bed, gave me a flashlight, and we walked the whole seven acres together to show me there were no robbers. So there, uh, that's that's what this made me think of is that that's he's great. dealing it with it the best way to that he knows how because he truly does care. He does. He he wants this all to work out, you know, for many for a couple different reasons. You know, in most movies, especially shitty comedies, um, the main characters don't have any motivation, and that we don't know why they're doing the things that they're doing. He has more than one reason that makes fucking sense. Pay attention, movie makers anyway <laughs> all right so next um you know i'll set this up for you and then i want you to knock this down here because we got the kids plotting you know they're angry they they have another plot and they collect money from each other and we get to see this plot come to fruition in the form of bam bam bigelow tell me about this scene with bam bam so it, this is kind of the build immediately after they get done um running around in dresses they're all pissed and they all decide to pull their money together for an unknown uh, reason, an unknown solution to major pain. And that turns out that the solution is Stone is going to hire a biker, a Bam Bam Bigelow, that's where all the money went, to come and take out major pain. So the scene uh, begins by uh, Major Payne uh, seeing them kind of make fun of him, and he makes them drop down and give him 20 or 30 or whatever, and you hear the motorcycle rev in the distance, and, it's, and it, uh, the kids are all watching, Payne turns around, and that's where you get that great scene of uh, this huge biker stopping his bike and taking off his helmet. And you see Bam Bam Bigelow's uh, you know, trademark uh, head tattoos, the flames on the head, the skull. Uh, another, uh, again, like 
you said, bald man positivity. Here, yes. here is another example. So, bam, bam, uh, Major Payne's kind of just uh, ignoring it. The kids are watching kind of uh, in the background. And bam, bam just screams, are you pain or are you pain? And uh, Major pa- uh, Payne turns around and goes, fee fa fo fum what beanstalk you fall from, which is great. Again, another Another thing that I think they probably did 17 different takes of of just random things of, that he could have said to oh, him. Oh, he didn't write that off the top of his head. That was a line for so. sure. I, I feel like he he did. I feel like he had. Maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. That is a line. I just I, maybe he just delivers it so cleanly that it just makes me feel like he would have said something. He could have said 17 other funny things. But <laughs> then he walks over to him, and Bam Bam's like, "I hear you been." Uh, be, being mean to these kids. You, know, you need to leave. And uh, Major Payne <laughs> says, uh, I, I don't even remember what he says, but he obviously he's not going to leave. So Bam Bam punches him and bloodies his lip. And he says, okay, well, now I'm going to I'm gonna kick you in the face. And he starts doing, uh, I, I, I always have this problem on my show where I do visual gags on a fucking audio medium yeah, and, and I'm like, and I'm, so I'm shuffling, I'm shuffling my feet, everyone. I'm shuffling my feet. Like I'm about to kick you. And then he ends up jabbing bam, bam, Bigelow in the throat. And he's going, <clears throat> and he, I think he ends up uh, punching him in the stomach. And as bam, bam's doubled over, he said, you you said you were going to kick me in the face. And Ma- uh, Ma- major Payne says, uh, something to the effect of, well, I'm not done yet. And just roundhouses him right in the face and down goes Bam Bam Bigelow for the count. Yeah. And we see a scene of the kids, you know, watching this, we see their reactions and they are like, fuck, <laughs> because yeah. he's invincible. You can't defeat him, you know? And so they're starting to realize, oh shit, we are fucked here. And, um, and, you know, Major Payne, I think one of the funny things, too, is when Bam Bam punches him, Major Payne likes it. He's like, oh, I get to beat this guy up. Awesome. Yes. Yeah. He has now now he can he can act now he can act on his most uh, his desire. Right. So, oh, my God. That's amazing. So uh, Payne wants to know who did it. And then we get the um, uh, the um, donut scene basically from Full Metal Jacket where he's like, you know, marching up and down the barracks. I want to know who did this. And Alex stands up for everybody to take responsibility and he wants expelled. <laughs> Major Payne's like, I'm not going to do that. It's an easy way out. He, In fact, he fires the, uh, the brown nose kid and makes Alex Stone the sergeant or the head cadet in charge of the squad. And Payne says, you know, if they want him gone, to meet him in front of the ROTC building to get their chance where he challenges them to steal the trophy from the rival school and then he will quit. So, uh, you know, this is great because we have like a multi-layered plot going on here now where these kids think that they're going to this thing to get this trophy and then he'll leave and, and they have no reason not to believe him because he doesn't lie, you know. So, you know, they're working as a unit now and Alex is the leader. And uh, they go to this other school and they're going to steal the uh, trophy, but it's all a setup um, you know, because they get beat up because um, he had tipped them off. And then we, uh, you know, so what do you think of that? I mean, did you know as soon as the, the uh, Alex is about to grab that trophy and all of a sudden we realize that everyone's there waiting for him to beat him up? Did you know that Major Payne had, had like ratted them out? Uh, I knew there was going to be a catch. 
because again, going into, this is why there was good writing going back to what we said before, bringing them together. This was, this was part of that. And, you know, stone becomes not only their spiritual leader, but in this case, he's now their actual troop leader. So it's, it, it there's a lot of, it's like you said, multifaceted things that yes. make so many storylines converging. And I, I assumed that it was at least a setup. I didn't really know major pain was, was going to tip them off, but I figured it's like, you're not going to send somebody in to an unguarded trophy room. You know, I figured there was some going to be some kind of catch there. And there obviously, obviously was because they, the kids get the shit kicked out of them. Like legitimately. Yes. <laughs> they get like, beat up. <laughs> yeah. By the, the bigger team or the bigger, what the, cause everyone looks like they're like bodybuilders. Everyone looks like, <laughs> I'm trying to think of a, a wrestler. They, they look like, like Clayton Jackson. Everyone's like there huge. You you know, like just huge, fresh faced, like guys. And they just all get their asses kicked. It's again, (laughs) bad news, bears, little giants, you know, them getting beaten up big green, all these different movies where these, the kids are getting beaten up by bigger kids, better kids. Right. And it's, they, they come back with uh, like bloody faces and shit. It's crazy. Well, and, and in a wrestling term, this is getting heat on our, on our protagonists here, you know, because even though, you know, Major Payne is not the protagonist yet. You know, he becomes the, like he's the main character, but he's the antagonist for a good chunk of this film until we realize he is the secret protagonist, which, again, this movie is complicated. It's got layers. There's things to talk about, which is awesome. So um, now we also get one of my other favorite scenes kind of intercut in here because Tiger, the youngest one, was not allowed to go. So he's upset. Right. And Major Payne is, tells him the story of the little um, engine that could. Do you remember the story or, or can you kind of summarize it for us, Travis? Uh, yes, because there, there, there's two parts of this. First, most of us have heard the actual little engine that could. I think I can. I think I can. My mom, the kindergarten teacher, I read that book because, you know, in some parts of my life, I was an underdog. So I just wanted to know that I could. I think I can. I know I can. We all know that story. Well, it starts out with a train uh, and it starts out the He's, he's telling him the story with sound effects. He's like, just a, he's just a little train, choo, choo, and it's chugging along. And then it turns into a train siege scene. And <laughs> Payne is describing in graphic detail what happens during this train siege, including his uh, partner, his friend, his troop mate, getting his legs blown off. Bubba was his name. And just again, when I say brutal detail, he's like, and he was just sitting there. I can't feel my legs. And he was kicking his stumps off and on. And again, this is all to make this child feel better uh, about being left left behind and the kids hiding underneath the, his blankets, uh, the, uh, Hillary, I'm just going to call her Hillary because Walburn is at the door. Walburn is at the door watching this transpire. (laughs) is feeling very happy that, that he's doing this nurturing thing. And again, he is nurturing him the only way he knows how. So his learning, he's growing as a character. It's still not what you would, a normal person would do, but it is uh, what major pain would do. And he just, the kid is getting so wigged out and it just kind of continues to build this little engine. It's just this terrible murder scene that ends up with major pain killing people. And, uh, and before, uh, Walburn stops it and says, no, 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 no. Uh, this is, and he goes, I'm just, I think he, at, at the end, he, was, he said something like, I'm just, just nurturing. I'm, I'm just telling him a little bedtime story, a little <laughs> engine that could. 
He's holding finger guns like up to the kid's face and just screaming by the end. <laughs> it's just fantastic. That scene is so funny. I love it. It's amazing. So Miss Wilburn or, you know, Hillary, she's apparently turned on by this, I guess, because she's like, let's go on a date. <laughs> yeah, that was that was a weird loophole. Like, that's one of the only things where it's like she I guess maybe she's still like maybe she's captured by the fact that he's at least trying, even right. though it's disturbing. He's trying. Yeah, well, we, we learn earlier in the movie that apparently no one can keep this job because the kids are so bad. You know, that's kind of the way they make it seem, you know, because the when Alex first shows up, he's like, oh, we got another major, right, guys? We'll have him gone by the end of the day. You know, so they, they've been shitty, and, you know, she's seeing them actually change. So that's kind of what's making the basement flooded for her, I think. So um, let's see here. So they go on a date, and um, she tries to be a good influence on him, and Payne just tears up the dance floor while pop that coochie, not pop that pussy, by two live crew plays. So maybe that's why it's PG-13. Yeah, that's the whole reason. Because <laughs> I just don't, like, I always get upset when they edit music because it's like, that's not the artistic vision of two live crew. It's yeah. not pop that coochie. But it's, he is tearing up the dance floor, doing the robot. And he's he's got some moves, I'll say. Yeah, it's great. You know, and at the time, that would be considered, like, nowadays, if someone did that, everyone would be like, wow, that's awesome. But then that was nerdy. He was like, old, you know, like, oh, nobody does popping and locking anymore. But uh, so that was great. They have a good time. And at the end of the date, he gives her a bullet from his heart. <laughs> and it's literally... Is- it's literally fantastic. from his heart. It's, yeah, it's tell amazing. It, tell, so, he says, she goes, well, where is it from? And he goes, my left ventricle. Because <laughs> doesn't he even pull the bullet out of a gun? He pulls it out of a gun. Does he really? So, yeah, I'm pretty sure he takes it out of the barrel is what he is what he does. And he's he says, I want to give you this bullet. It's, a, it's, it's And she's like, oh, and he goes, it's from my heart. And she goes, oh, and he goes, where? she's like, where do you get it? And he's like, my left ventricle, just like you said. And it's just amazing. And she still accepts it and, and, and is very appreciative of the gift, even if she's yes. kind of weirded out again, because he's this is the only way he knows. This is the way he knows he's still showing affection. Well, and there must not be any other men within like a thousand miles of her or something like that. That might have something to do with it, too. So. Very, very true. Aside from the headmaster, I guess. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, maybe she's already run through that guy. That's why he acts that way. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right. So that was fun. Um, and then we have Alex confronting Major Payne. And, you know, he says all oh, it was all a trick, you know. Um, to make Alex want to win the trophy because Alex is like, well, I want the trophy. And he's like, okay, well, do you want to earn it? He's like, I don't care. I just want it. He's like, okay, well, then you're going to earn it. And when you get it, then I'll quit. So he's still going to keep his his um, promise, but they have to win the trophy now. It's awesome. It's really good storytelling. It works. Um, This is the fun part with Michael Ironside. He shows up. Tell me about this scene here. This is great stuff. So he shows up like it's it's parent visit day and he shows up completely drunk just absolutely shit-faced and stone meets him in the this field and says you know why, why are you here he said it's parents day i pay for this Blah, you know all the typical evil step uh parent things and and wants to make stone salute him and stone is saying no so he slaps him and he stone gets up again and says, I'm not going to salute you. And as Ironside 
brings back his hand to slap him again. He brings it down and Major Payne catches it and said, that's the last time you're going to slap this boy around me and throws him away. And (laughs) Payne does it for being a killing machine. He really dispatches him in a non uh, aggressive way where Ironside then gets mad and and swings at Payne and he kind of moves around and the guy, he ends up on the ground. He comes to the rescue of stone and he says, get out of here before I, I kick your ass essentially. And, uh, Ironside eventually leaves tail tucked between his legs and really cementing, uh, major pain, uh, wanting the best for the children. And also kind of that, uh, I, I guess no one gets left behind. We protect each yeah. other mentality. And again, another thread there that, Hey, even if you don't like me and we don't get along, I still have your back. We also get to learn why Alex is the way he is. You know, I mean, this is why we realize that he's rebellious because of this asshole. He's rebelling against him. That's who he that's who his authority figures have been. You know, these are the people that he sees major pain as and he's projecting all this. We also get this awesome metaphor that is just fantastic where Michael Ironside kicks his own ass, basically. Like you said, he just he kicks his own ass and and major pain. It will allow him to hurt himself, but he won't allow him to hurt the kids. Fucking awesome. All right. Yes, That's great. it's I mean, what? This isn't some shitty comedy from 1990. You watch any comedy nowadays, and if you find depth like that in any scene, I will shake your hand. Actually, I can't shake your hand. I will look at your hand. So, um, because that's, that does not happen anymore. And even in dramas, you don't see this kind of like multi-layered storytelling like we have here. This is good stuff. So, um, so now everybody's on the same page. We get some, uh, you know, training montage, you know, where they're succeeding and, um, and, and we see that they're adding a little style to the things that they do. Like one of the kids can really throw the, the, um, rifle around and he's got kind of some dance moves. So, you know, we know that's, that's in there too. This is all set up. Um, Payne gives the cadets a, a, a pep up speech. Um, but then the general arrives and says, Hey, we need you to go kill some folks. And this is where we got to get all the heat, man. We got to put all the heat on these kids. And this is like the end of the second act of any one of these kinds of movies or any buddy cop or anything like that, where they break up only to come back together in the end. Because, you know, he goes to the train station because he wants to go kill people. And Alex is all pissed off. But, you know, I mean, I I, I like this, you know. And uh, so so Payne packs and then Miss Wilburn uh, comes by to guilt trip him and we get a, a heartbreak montage as Payne fucks off. And it's like her staring out a window longingly, you know, the kids angry and that's pretty great. That's great. Um, it is great. So the kids decide to compete anyway. And Alex shows some leadership. Uh, several schools are competing in these games. And as Major Payne waits for the train, he dreams of a life with a white picket fence. But that's not all he dreams of. This is another tremendous scene. Tell me about this one. So he, it's you get your typical, uh, you know, fantasy moment where he's this. The white picket fence is actually a line he says to Walburn as he, before he's left. He's like, did you think that I would do the white picket fence? And basically shames her for imagining a future that he was imagining too. And it becomes clear here because he's flipping burgers on the grill and she comes out with lemonade and they're, ha ha ha, they're laughing. And it's like a, a scene out of like, leave it to beaver because the uh, tiger's there. The, the Kevin, the littlest cadet 
He's there too. He's adopted. He's the child here. And they have this picturesque family life when all of a sudden an enemy comes out from beneath, from behind the trees to ruin this. And in Major Payne's fantasy, White Picket Fence, he's fighting people still. And the, this guy sneaks up on him and he grabs him and start, and just grills his face on the, the grill that he's flipping burgers on and then throws him in the pool. And Walburn comes out uh, again and is like, ah, just gives one of those, oh, you. <laughs> <laughs> like, he's, like he's holding Mentos or something like that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like the scene at the end of Mentos is what she would be like, Mentos, the fresh oh, maker. That's that... what you would see. That husband of mine always beating yeah. up Viet Cong nationalists in the front yard. Yeah, exactly. Oh. Like, yes, a, a, a thousand percent. <laughs> it's just like, what am I gonna do with you? <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, so that shit's hilarious. The cadets compete and they're doing well. They seem to be doing well. Uh, the ass kisser kid we find out has actually joined another school and he yes. left at some point. I mean, there's a lot going on in this movie. We're not hitting it all. So, uh, but he trips Alex on this race, like a relay race that, that costs him first place and it breaks his ankle or something. So this starts a fight and all the kids, everyone's about to be disqualified when here he comes, major pain comes right back and basically just orders the judge like, Hey, so we're just going to do this. Right. And they're like, yeah. So he apologizes in his own way and Alex is hurt. So pain assigns tiger to lead the drill. Uh, this is when we get your main event of the evening which is the drill finals. Um, Travis, were you surprised that we didn't see the other schools perform? We just saw, well, uh, was it, I guess they're Madison, I think. Yeah, they're Madison. Yeah. Uh, I, I guess I was, but I feel like they, they knew that they were running out of, <laughs> out of time that you, you might, you definitely needed the fart scenes from earlier. Uh, <laughs> So they, they couldn't cut any of that stuff. So they, 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 you don't get to see any of that. So we don't really know what the comparison to what the other schools brought here, but uh, definitely the crowd was really into this and it was, it was a really cute scene. Tiger is, is a really cute kid. He's just a super cute kid. And that's what made all of his scenes very effective because major pains being an absolute dickhead to this tiny child and he just has the best puppy dog eyes, but he comes out, puts his, his mean face on and leads the drill. And I just it makes me wonder if everyone else had like a themed drill. Like, no, was there like an eight yeah. hair metal like <laughs> drill? Like was like skid row, like where they're like talking about like all the like dumb shit skid row. Like, or cause this was like more, uh, had more of a hip hop vibe to it. Correct. Right. Yeah, they, you know, is they had like a hip hop kind of thing. And this is 1990, right? Hip hop was like on fire in 1990. And like, you know, Big Daddy Kane and LL Cool J were, you know, were out there doing their thing. And so, you know, this was, uh, this was timely. And this would have been one of those things that if you're a kid watching this in 1990, you're going, oh, man, that's so cool. They're different, you know. And uh, I love that. So all of the little hints that we had had earlier that they were going to add a little style to the things they're doing pays off here. But we don't see the other ones perform. In fact, they kind of fade out as the crowd, you know, cheers them. And then we get a denouement, which is three months later, we open on the trophy in the case. So they won and there's an individual award for, uh, you know, something for Alex. Uh, the new recruits show up and one of them is blind and Payne, uh, he shoves the kid's head and his dog, wait, what does it say? Something, 
So he, I don't know, he does something to this. Oh, he shaves the kid's head. Shaves the kid's head. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, shaves the kid's and, head. And the, and the dog, and the dog, his seeing eye dog, for sassing him. And the movie ends with, uh, you know, bald positivity, as it should. So um, Yeah, but in direct, like, <laughs> competition with, uh, again, not one disabled child <laughs> is insulted. <laughs> we have to We have to hit the other disabled child at the end, of, or disabled kid at the end. <laughs> Where we we got we insulted the the deaf child. Now we got to make sure we we insult the blind child too. But it, it, like the end scene like was yeah it was bald positivity, but it was also just. That is what it was. Yeah. I'm not just. That is a pretty good. Would you say that was a pretty good impression? Oh, you nailed it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I was I was picturing you with gold with two gold teeth and like a military hat on and everything. You know. So, uh, man, this movie's awesome, right? I I think it totally holds up. I think it's great. It's got some off-color stuff, but I mean, eh, you know, it is what it is. It's from the night from 1990. Uh, What are your final thoughts, Travis? On major pain. I did not think that I was going to like it. You know, I thought I was going to be one of those things that I viewed as rose through rose colored glasses because it's a movie that I remember watching as a kid going to the video store, you know, the bygone era. That's not happening. That's not, we're never going to get that back. Right. So we always, you know, romanticize some of those movies that we remember. And, you know, I saw the the thing where it's like it's on Rotten Tomatoes. It's like 38 percent or whatever it lists it as. Uh, and, you know, I didn't really expect a lot, but there are a lot of nu- <laughs> nuanced quotes. Uh, <laughs> To, like to this movie, you know, the, there's great acting, there's great storylines. And I was so pleasantly surprised at how well the movie held up uh, in it now 2020. Like I, I obviously again, removing the off color jokes, that's not going to hold up, but the, everything else from a writing standpoint, comedic timing, acting, everything really fit really well together. It's a fantastic movie. I highly recommend it, um, you know, especially if you're a Bam Bam Bigelow fan and everything. And it's just, you know, I, I'm really glad that we got to, to do this because this was a lot of fun. You know, I watched the movie once and then I started to watch it again. Usually I like to watch the movies twice for these reviews. But then I thought, I remember all this stuff. I don't need to watch this again. You know, I was laughing and I was having a good time, but I. I didn't need to squeeze it in before we were, you know, recorded again because this is the kind of movie that tells a story well, so you remember it. You know, you remember what happened, and and uh, you know, I don't know. I'm a big fan of this movie. I think we've gushed over it enough, but man, Travis, can you tell us? I mean, can you, if you can't, I understand. If this is spilling your guts and you can't, you can't put this out there. We got a kayfabe it or whatever. But what's next for the Wrestle Special? Ooh, uh, well, uh, I've got a lot of, so in the last uh, year, I went from uh, bi-weekly podcast to going weekly. So I just entered, I've just finished uh, my second anniversary. So looking, looking forward, it's really going to be getting weirder <laughs> as the best, as the best way that I could say it. I'm looking to expand more. Um, I definitely want to, and I have some plans in place to get actual wrestlers on my show. Now, uh, as you said, and I really appreciate you saying, you know, there, there is something unique about my show and part of at the, the forefront of every time I'm recording or an idea that I have, I always try to make it in a way that is not done before. So that's a little bit more difficult to involve actual wrestlers 
in that because it is, I'm looking to do something different than just an interview, right? So mm -hmm. it's going to be, uh, I, I have some really cool things planned, um, have some light commitments on certain things, and uh, we'll be looking forward to uh, releasing that to all of you if you give it a shot. Okay. Okay. I, I have a couple recommendations for you on air. Um, I think you should hit up Magnum CK. And I think you should hit up RJ City. I think both those guys would be awesome on your show. And Arch, and um, especially Magnum, who I know will put in work if he needs to. Like, if he needs to watch something for it, he will. He's fucking great, and he'd be great on your show. So just throwing that out there. But, Magnum, uh, but You know what? Magnum's a great idea. I should I should uh, reach out to him. That's he's He and I have talked uh, briefly before. Although, what's funny is, and I, I don't mean to, 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 to call him out on air, but I did message RJ City uh, on Twitter to because I did a indie wrestling quarantine playlist where I wanted to hype play people's matches that they recommended and also where to get their merch during this unprecedented period. I didn't hear anything back, so maybe you're gonna have to give me the hookup on that one. I'll see what I can do. I don't know, man. <laughs> he 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 came on our show because he saw that Hornswoggle had been on. So <laughs> that's why so, he was like, oh, saying, okay. <laughs> All you're saying is I need to get Hornswoggle on my show and, and everything will be good. <laughs> it's okay. That Hornswoggle interview is uh, like pulling little tiny teeth. I'll tell you what. So um, anyway, but man, I really appreciate you coming on. I've been wanting to do this for a long time. I'm glad we got to talk about the Wrestle Special and this awesome movie. Are there any thoughts? I mean, do you, first of all, do you have any questions for me? And second of all, do you have any thoughts that you'd like to leave our listening audience with today? Um honestly did I, I want to ask you the same question you asked me, which was, does this, this hold up? I, I, I think it's an, like a, a big, uh, yes for you. It's a resounding yes is my guess, but I, do you have, like, did it live up to your expectations when you were younger? Did you remember, did it, did it live up to that or surpass how much you enjoyed it as a child? I liked it more now, honestly, because and, and one of the reasons why is a personality flaw that I have. And that is if someone I know and I don't do this as much as I used to when I was a kid, if I if someone I know is obsessed with something and won't shut up about it, I, I hate it all of a sudden, which is ironic because I'm always obsessed with things and won't shut up about them. You know, but uh, it's it's uh, for some reason like, um, you know, I have a friend who loved this band called Umphreys McGee, and he would always take my CD out to put that in. And so eventually I came to the point where I don't ever want to hear Umphreys McGee again. And if I hear them, I'm going to choke somebody, you know, meanwhile, they might be a great band. So I had a friend who loved this movie so much and would never shut up about it. We, I rented it with him on a Friday night as teenagers, 10 times at least, you know, to the point where we just, I don't think he ever took it back at one point. I think he just kept it and bought it from the video store for $50 or whatever it costs <laughs> because we, he loved it so much. So I had a fun with it, but you know, I was kind of like, okay, this, that's his movie. He can love that. I'll find a different movie that I love. So, um, but as an adult, I love this even more. I got to see the depth that I never would have seen as a kid of the different, you know, kind of ways that they weave all these stories or, the, you know, all these threads of the story together. And um, I just really appreciate it. Now, here's another thing, though, is I have, you know, I've seen a couple good movies lately, but some of the movies we reviewed for the show have been terrible. So, you know, part of this was a little bit of me going, oh, my God, this is good. I can't believe yeah. it. You know, so, I mean, that was a little bit of that's me. Maybe not everyone's going to, you know, uh, dance around singing the you know praises of it like I will. But I just thought it was an excellent movie. And when compared with modern day comedies, which I fucking 
hate. I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry if people love The Hangover. It's a piece of shit compared to something like this. All right. And 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 what I mean is, is that the way it's made and the idea of let's just get some funny people and let them do whatever. We don't need to write. We don't need to put any effort in. We'll just let them do it. Like Judd Apatow movies. That's how they're made. They're terrible. And, and you know, the stories may be fun and there may be some funny jokes in there. But the overall, the movie's a piece of shit because it's poorly made and it doesn't do that thing that this movie did, which was make me feel stuff. So, you know, when you when you use the, the language of film properly and you have your camera set up right because you know what you're doing and you use more than one of them and you, you know, capture all of the action the way it's supposed to come, you know, in, in the way that classic movies are supposed to work, it's then it actually works. It's crazy. It's almost like, you know, if, if people avoid, you know, uh, doing their finisher to the end of the match, it, it makes some impact there at the end, you know, and instead of doing the finisher the whole time and, you know, so it, it's, it's much like pro wrestling in that way. But yeah, I just, I, I really thought it held up. I mean, you know, um, let me ask you one more question before we jump off here. I, sure. I have an idea of what – here's an example of what I think is the best comedy. The comedy that holds up the best from when I was a kid is Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Like to me, oh. everything in that movie is still hilarious and just completely just makes me laugh so hard. Uh, Ghostbusters, another good one like that. But what's like a movie that you've seen as a kid that, that you watched and held up really well? I, I think Pee-wee is probably up there, honestly, because I, I think it's become more funnier as an adult because you can appreciate the weirdness in a different way. Uh, and, and you know what I have? I don't think I've really watched like some of the movies that I remember. Uh, mo- Actually, I was having this thought when we were talking, and that was uh, – I'm going to have to say Billy Madison even if I haven't watched it recently because there's a lot of nuanced things through there. Like I'm thinking of you know, there's a reason – he is going back to school. Uh, it's there's the, all, even though the premise is completely out there, there's a reason for his actions. And there's a character arc in him triumphant, his triumphant, uh, you know, victory near the end, you know, and there's things like Steve Buscemi, you know, that's a call, like it's a callback from, you know, he learned and addressed the things that he, uh, had problems with at in high school. At one of my favorite scenes is when he is puts on his denim jacket and the Strokes playing in the background. And the Stroke became one of my favorite songs because of that. Now for to this day, I always feel cool, even when I know I'm not cool. Uh, <laughs> when the Strokes playing and he pops his collar. And when Billy calls him and, and apologizes for that, it, it Steve Buscemi knocks he crosses his name off a to kill list. And I. <laughs> Don't remember what song is playing, but it's like Blue Night Dreams, Black Nights, and he's putting on lipstick. And then there's like 30 minutes later, he saves Billy. You know, yeah. it's just there's there's if you look at it through that lens, what the lens you're describing with modern comedy, I would say probably Billy Madison, even though I haven't seen it within the last few years. I would say Billy Madison probably would still hold up to me. I still quote it. Stop looking at me, Swan. You know, it, it's <laughs> whenever I whenever I take a shower. I see my wife's conditioner and it's very hard for me not to be <laughs> shampoo is better. It goes on first and cleans the hair. Conditioner is better, you know? And, and that's, I think those are the things where I, th- I still think it would hold up now. I would still appreciate it. It would still be funny if I watched Billy Madison for the first time today, peeing your yeah. pants is cool. What can I say? 
that movie's a very good movie. I think it's funny. And uh, oh, how that man has fallen. But uh, anyway. All right. Well, I hope you guys enjoy. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I I just didn't know. You're good. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off because I just had a, a thing where could that qualify as a movie on the road home because there's no wrestler in it, but there is a fake wrestler in it. Captain Sano, right? Or is that? Yeah. But no, that's Captain it... Sano's Waterboy. Yeah, that's um, Waterboy. The, the Bob or the Mass or something. The principal is. Oh uh, my God, that's right. He's like the green. He's like a blob. He's a masked yeah, wrestler. That's right. Well. I'll look into it. I'll look into it. Okay. okay. Uh, we'll we'll see. Cause man, I'd love to talk about that movie, but uh, as you it's... could tell, I'd love to talk about that. Movie. <laughs> all right. We'll see what we can do, but uh, all right. Well, where can folks find the wrestle special and where can they find Travis to the uh, You can find the wrestle special on Instagram. It's probably where I'm most active. Uh, the wrestle special at the wrestle special on Twitter at just wrestle special. I don't do as good a job at Twitter as I should. Uh, you do a phenomenal job. And whenever you're, you're promoting, I'm like, man, I suck compared to you, uh, with Twitter. Cause I need to get better at Twitter. Um, you can also, uh, find me, uh, I, I don't really do much on my personal, my personal stuff, but if you want to get to know me, the best place is to start at the wrestle special. I've made uh, a lot of friends, uh, a lot of lifelong friends now that I'm going to keep forever um through the podcast so check me out there you can find the show on itunes wherever you get your podcast spotify blah 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 you can find me at pretty much everywhere uh and would really love the chance to bend your ear yeah i think uh, anyone who enjoyed this episode will enjoy that even if you didn't enjoy this episode you're gonna love the wrestle special it's a much better show than the road home from wrestling as far as like the mechanics of it and the way that it's made and and he uh you know travis you put a lot more work in your show than i do which i know might sound shocking to you but you know it's true so um (laughs) but but if you guys want to hear a half-assed podcast you can hear the road home from wrestling this show and you know where to find us you can follow us at the the road home fw on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. You can follow me at Drusifer Tweets. For me and my guest Travis Tubasang of the Wrestle Special, thank you guys so much for listening. <laughs>